0: Hello, and welcome to Build Momentum, a podcast where we explore thought leadership and education. I'm Sarah Williamson, the founder of Best WPR Group.
1: And I'm Chad Bolster, Chancellor at Ivy Tech Community College in Richmond, Indiana. This season, we will launch a series exploring global workforce development in K-12 school districts and the leaders who are bringing this work to life.
0: We hear from CTE directors, superintendents, and thought leaders on the topic of workforce development how it's shifted throughout the last several years, who is employing strategies that are making an impact, and how they're sharing those stories with the broader education community. We explore how to leverage key partners, your constituents, and the media to authentically impact your organization and the leaders who champion them. We can't wait to get started, so let's dive in. In today's episode, we continue our Global Workforce series with Aaron Black, Superintendent of Randolph Eastern School Corporation. Aaron, welcome to the show. It's so great to finally have you on our show. I know this has been two or three years in the making, so we're thrilled to have you. Yeah,
2: this is a big deal in my career to finally make it on this podcast. I appreciate the invite and Chad's ability to get me along because it real <laughs> hard with the previous host. Yeah, I think, Sarah, what, um, what Aaron is trying
1: to say is that you have b- brought a closer on to your team
0: okay. this
1: uh, podcast <laughs> that can just make some things happen.
0: You're welcome, listeners. You're welcome. Okay. This is our third in a four-part series on Rural, rural Collaboratives. In our previous two episodes, we spoke to Mike Gonzalez, the Executive Director for the Rural Scrolls Innovation Zone in Premont, Texas. And then we had Lauren Hall Riggins from Empower Schools, who is the state director of Rural Collaboratives. And in this episode, Aaron is going to talk about all the great things going on in Randolph Eastern School Corporation and how this has really led his district to form a rural collaboration with some of his fellow school districts in his region. And he's just an amazing stand-up guy. So, Aaron, welcome again! Can't wait to dig in today.
2: Thank you so much, and and setting the precedent with Lauren and Mr. Cazal. That's awesome! Two incredible folks to kind of get the series kicked off. So again, excited to be here, excited to share what we're doing in East Central Indiana. Well, that's a great place to start, Aaron.
1: Uh, Why don't you tell everybody that's listening about yourself, Randolph Eastern Schools in Union City, and what your last year has been like. It's been a pretty, pretty exciting time there.
2: Yeah. So just a quick little bio, born and raised in Union City, Indiana. I came back home to be assistant principal here at Union City 13 years ago, and I've kind of worked my way from Principal and now in the superintendent's role, my fifth year here. Union City is located in east central Indiana, right on the Indiana Ohio line. To give people some geography of where we are, our town is actually split by the Indiana Ohio state line, which is very unique in many regards. But very fortunate uh, to live and work in Randolph County. If you're looking for a small town this feel, this is about as small as it gets in rural America. Randolph Eastern in the past year, it's it's been quite a ride. 2023 was huge for us and the work and kind of seeing the vision and the work that we developed really during and pre-COVID starting to grow legs and come to light. Vision Corner, which we'll talk about a little bit space that is a collaboration space for all of East Central Indiana, not just the students here at Randolph Eastern. That first floor was completed, um, where some entrepreneurship classes and communications classes can be taught, as well as some other things to make available to students in our rural alliance zone. So that happened in 2023. Randolph Eastern was blessed to be a part of this whole YAS Prize experience. Shout out to the Yoss folks. I'd heavily encourage Sarah, go ahead and tag them when you put this out there. That was an experience. We threw our name in the hat for this Yass Innovation Prize, and that's where they kind of recognized Jeff, Janine, Yass, who are philanthropists, recognized schools and their efforts in innovation. I went through that process starting in July. Our application made it through. We became a quarter finalist, found that out in December. One of only a couple public schools that were part of that conversation. In October, we were named a semi finalist, which was, again, incredible led us through this whole accelerator experience. And Sarah and her team helped me work through the comms of all that. And it it was fun. It it was eye-opening, encouraging to hear the innovation that's happening in schools across the country. And I'm talking a majority of the folks there are micro schools, charter schools, Just some really innovative people and to sit there as a public superintendent and be a part of those conversations and grow with those people was quite a blessing and quite a challenge, to be honest with you. It shows that Randolph Eastern made some leaps and bounds in 2023 to go the right direction. Uh, But we've got work to do to meet the needs of every learner in our building.
0: Yeah, that's impressive, Aaron. I'm very, very impressed how far you came in that process. And it was exciting to watch. And I'm glad you feel good about the way everything Ended. Are you gonna go for it again next year?
2: So they do have some alumni follow-up opportunities. Mm-hmm. Being a semifinalist, I'll have the opportunity to be a part of as much or as little as I want to as far as the YAS experience in the future, as far as working with other applicants, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think we'll continue that relationship because I'm a school choice believer that's not real popular amongst public school superintendents, but I just value every learner finding the space that fits their needs the best. And school choice provides that. So being a part of that YASP movement and understanding kind of their mission is something yet I see myself remaining part of for sure.
0: Yeah, you have a mighty school district with a lot of college and career readiness programs. Do you mind just sharing a little bit of the work you do there in Randolph and then also the trends you kind of see on a national scale?
2: Yeah. So I think set the foundation of that it's important to understand our demographics a little bit, serving a community, of high poverty, high need students, 70% free and reduced, uh, 40% are students of color. And now nearly 25, 27% of those students are English learner students. So that creates some incredible opportunities and it leans itself and leads us down the career path pretty strongly. One of the exciting things about the trends of education in general is this thought that celebrating a student that enters the workforce or a career out of school is becoming just as important or celebrated as the student that goes to a four-year college. And a shame on us for taking so long to do that, right? But that's one of the trends that we've I've been out ahead of and building our career exploration programs. We start with kindergartners taking career exploration trips and being very intentional about getting them out in front of employers and just learning how the world works. And we do that with every grade level and that kind of culminates at the high school. And we've partnered with Ivy Tech, Chad and his crew to create some different opportunities and career exposure and, and just uh, career technical education. But So it suits our students really well when you talk about their background and the challenges that higher education create for people of poverty and the barriers there. So celebrating careers and plugging them into institutions that they can afford and that don't seem as intimidating as a four-year institution is a win for Randolph Eastern. So we've really
1: focused this portion of the podcast and the episodes on the idea of these rural collaboratives. And you have spearheaded that process in Randolph County with the Rural Alliance Zone 32. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to do that and what was the process that determined that sort of leap uh, in the process for your district? Yeah, so
2: it's really interesting. I took this job in 2019 and I went back to my county collaboration notes and I started in January and in March of that year, I actually met with the superintendent at Randolph Central and Monroe Central and basically said, why are we working together more? It's not that we don't collaborate on some things, but why aren't our students having access? And that all kind of dived a year later with COVID and trying to recover and reel from that. But So the conversation in my mind started a long time ago. Fortunately for us, we were... Awarded a next gen grant from the Indiana Department of Education just because some of the innovative work we were doing. They wanted to partner with us and see where we could take this work. So it allowed us to partner with incredible people like you've interviewed the last two weeks with Laura and her group and Mike Gonzalez and getting down there to see what they're doing and what they're doing with the geographic challenges that they have versus what we have. It just made sense to take off and run and create a space where students right now in Randolph County have access to each other's coursework, But I do, and I think, Chad, you can agree, see where this is going to grow into some other regions and pull in other folks, not just us, but I see rural schools starting these conversations and trying to figure out how they make it work for their area as well.
0: Yeah. So one interesting note you just mentioned is Mike Gonzalez, and we talked a lot about funding with him. And I'm curious, would you mind sharing a bit more about how you have thought about uh, sharing students and how you've addressed the funding model, and then also for other superintendents who are considering joining a rural collaborative, what is your advice?
2: My advice is, first of all, leverage the funding that's available without Grant support and that kind of stuff. Like there are, like we opened with career exploration and career education is very intentional, specifically in the state of Indiana. So they are pushing funding towards high need jobs. For example, for us, healthcare pathway, very, very expensive, right? But each one of those students that get a credit that comes with a X number dollar amount. So that will help fund the continuation of of the program into the future. So I, I guess my first advice, lean in and realize what funding is out there currently. And don't feel like it's just something that has to be grant funded, because I think grant funding can help elevate the process or speed the process up. But we are all doing some really incredible work in our buildings. And it's not really an extension or adding a burden to our budgets when you really get to dollars and cents to just say that, okay, I've got a class of 12 of our students. Why can't six of Randall students, Central students take that same class? The only cost you're talking is the 20 miles of fuel between point A and point B, because I'm going to fund that teacher. I'm going to fund those materials, whether they're here or not. So I think just looking again, you got to be kind of, can't look at the problem. You got to look at the solution and be solution-minded. But the funding aspect is it honestly, pretty easy, I I think, in, in the long run.
0: Yeah, great advice. Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group, the edtech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting momentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's change makers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high-quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com.
1: You know, Aaron, on our previous podcast, you were described as having an abundance perspective, uh, you know, that you look at problems from an abundance mindset as opposed to a deficit mindset, which is really as you were describing that, that description came true. So nice segue from, you didn't listen in to the last podcast, did you? Episode I
2: not, no. I'm going
1: to get caught up, don't worry. No, they go. haven't,
0: they're not live oh, yet. <laughs>
1: there we well, go. There go. Yeah, I thought maybe you snuck in or you had recordings that were there. I know how the Randolph, you know, county folks operate. So, okay, so our next question is, as you look at the landscape of this area of career education, what are the credentials that students are looking for and what are you going to be offering you and the collaborative school is going to be offering and how did you come about that decision with those credentials
2: yeah that's a good question but if i can just build off the abundance thing that someone may have named me or accused me of I, I, my explanation for that is i truly think as educational leaders whether you're superintendent of this district or any district if you're not looking out for success of all students i think you miss right like I'm not protective of Randolph Eastern students. What, what we're doing is good for our kids, but I'm trying to get a win for the kids in Miss Inouye Valley on the Ohio side, kids, because if they win, sounds silly, we all win. And if we're not leading for all students with that mindset, we're kind of sticks in the mud and that's going to rub some people the wrong way. But uh, I, I'm not here just to protect Randolph Eastern. So that that's kind of my mindset on that. But to the career focus piece, <laughs> how did we land at, at the... Courses that we offered. So one of the great things that we've been able to do is we've created this community engagement position, kind of innovation specialist, Justin Jones, which some of you know. And But one thing he's been able to do is have one-on-one interviews with students and really get into their skills and interests, right? And we're doing some assessments to identify those, but what are they really interested in? And when we started this work, looking at what pathway we wanted to get into, healthcare was... Abundantly clear. 50% of our kids in seventh and eighth grade and our junior class all had some interest in healthcare. And no place in Randolph County offers a healthcare option. The only option for our students to be involved in the healthcare program would be to hop on a bus at six 30 in the morning, go an hour and 10 minutes one way and an hour, and 10 minutes back to the Muncie area career center. And it's not a knock on them. They do a fine job, but that's a huge barrier for students when you're talking about access. So healthcare was easy for us. The data supported it. The data has since supported that with Randall Central and Monroe Central. It is by and far the highest requested course is between those districts as well. So that was kind of a gimme. Then you get into... The fiber of who we are, KISS TV, KISS Communications, that's been part of Union City since 1972. I used to say this a lot. That's a program as a superintendent you just don't touch. It's bigger than air black. So it does what it does, does some really good things. And as we continue to build out kind of the social media aspect of communications, that's a great offering for students. But the other big one was entrepreneurship. For the business side, our, our kids are interested in starting businesses, learning how businesses work. So that was a good fit for us. Computer science, which you know between what we offer at Union City and what they offer at Monroe Central. Computer science is the future of every job that's out there. Our kids know it and their skills and their interest surveys prove that. And then what Randall Central is doing with their innovation uh precision machining and welding. Chad, you've been in East Central Indiana a long time. Nothing screams East Central Indiana louder than precision machining and welding, right? That's the manufacturing side of things is very important to our livelihood and our future. So honestly, those things were all pretty easy uh, to nail down. When, When you look at the landscape of East Central Indiana, what we're lacking is a healthcare desert and what our kids' interests are just weren't really lining up. So creating space to make those a reality.
1: Aaron, as you hear some folks critique schools, you're making the kids choose their career pathway too early. You're preparing them too early in the process. Let's just educate them and let's figure it out as you go on there. You hear some of that in the discussion around this topic of preparation. Can you speak to the student experience? How does this enhance or how have you seen the student
2: experience change as a part of what you've implemented? Well, I push back on that. So we get a lot of, I won't say negative press, but a lot of questions on that. Uh, it's good timing for you to ask this. We just celebrated the fact that we put magnets on every student's locker that identified the pathway that they've chosen to be a part of, right? And a lot of folks in the world of Facebook and Twitter are questioning, why are we telling 14-year-olds they got to know what they want to do with the rest of their life? And, and amazingly enough, one of our seniors in high school responded to this really negative thread and set people straight. But So here's our thoughts behind this. I would much rather teach kids there's 40 pathways that they don't want to be a part of <laughs> before they go to college and start paying 10, 12, 15, thirty thousand dollars a year to start figuring out what they want to do. That's created some of the problems that we have. So I believe that a school's job is to teach kids just as much about what they probably don't want to do with their life that is as it is to tell them, you know, here's what you should or want to do with your life. So we know they have their skills and interests, right? We know what their passions are, but we're not telling them, hey, you're going to be a nurse your entire life. We're saying, hey, check out this healthcare pathway, and it may be a perfect fit for you. It might be a great springboard, but the reality of you doing that your entire life, pretty small, but at least you're going to figure that out between the ages of 14 and 18 and not 18 to 25.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I love that approach. So, Aaron, we've talked to a lot of the other speakers on the rural series that we're doing about transportation and being an extremely rural in Union City. I'm curious how you navigate that for your students. Is that a challenge?
2: So Sarah, I will tell you that I thought we were rural until I went to (laughs) South Texas and visited Mike Gonzalez down to the Rural Alliance down there. Um, So yeah, that's tongue in cheek. It is still a challenge, but for us in Randolph Central, for example, one of our partners in this It's literally eight miles on one road between our high school and their high school. Sorry. If we can't figure that out to do what's best for kids, we've got bigger problems, uh, to be quite honest with you. So is the transportation piece, does it put a little pressure on your budget to figure out the, you know, the fuel and driver cost? Yes. But is it such an enormous task as what I see? Like I said, in South Texas, no. And matter of fact, I could almost say there's three counties. Between Jay County, Wayne County, and Randolph County, we still wouldn't cover the ground that they're covering in uh, South Texas to figure this out. So is it a discussion? Yes. But is it a, should it be a barrier? Absolutely not.
1: So as you think about the Rural Collaborative and the Rural Alliance Zone 32, what does success look like for you? What are your aspirational goals? What, in five years, what do you hope to accomplish?
2: Well, I think the first data set, again, Every edu- everything education has to be supported by data. I think if we have twenty five kids participate next school year, I think the following year has to be fifty, and and I think by yeah, five years, I'd like to see that be a couple hundred students. To be quite honest with you, and that's not just with the schools that are involved. So success looks like student participation and having access. Right, we're talking access for all students, but also growing it to where other schools see a need. In East Central Indiana, uh, by our skills interest surveys of our students and another school steps up and says, hey, there's a growing need for construction trades in our area, which we know is a real need. And they step up and say, that's the program we will take on to alleviate some of the pressure. And then we're sending 10 kids to school X to participate in construction trades. So I think the win is in five years, if, if the numbers multiply five times by student participation and if we continue to attract schools to help us figure out this access issue for rural students.
0: Okay, so Aaron, this podcast was ultimately created to talk about thought leadership and education, as you know, because you've been an avid listener for two and a half years. Yes. I'm curious what you think about or how you share your story and how you can recommend our listeners really try to emulate what you're doing in terms of how you're sharing your story.
2: That's a good question. so and and, uh, and so there's multiple ways that I approach this. One, I think I've heard this term multiple times in the past month, so it's resonating in the world of education there are school administrators and there are school leaders. There are school administrators, those are really good people that are really good at checking boxes and looking really polished on the outside, right, but maybe not meeting the needs of students, um, all students. And then there are school leaders that are looking for ways to innovatively meet the needs of every single child in their district, like unforgivingly, you know, unapologetically going after every student in their district. And and so I would say, do a little self-assessment. Are you a leader or administrator? The world needs both don't get me wrong, the world needs both. And I need people that help administrate me because sometimes I'm a little too innovative for people's good. But the other thing that I would encourage leaders to do is if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So you've got to find yourself involved. Chad knows this. I try to show up everywhere the best I can, because if I'm not there advocating for East Central Indiana at the state house, like I was yesterday for six hours, like I'm not having breakfast with my legislators like I did this morning, like we will, rural education in particular, will continue to be on the menu. When the people make the decisions, they don't think about the 30 students out at Randolph Eastern that are, you know, don't have access to, to every opportunity. They just don't think about that. They think about the 8,000 students and in Indianapolis and the access that they have. So again, rural education leaders in particular, you, you've got to be at the table because if not, we will continue to be on the menu as decisions are made.
1: Well, Aaron, it is great to talk to you. It's great to have this conversation. Where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about what you're doing and more about Randolph Eastern Schools?
2: Well, I would first drive you to, because of the inspiration of this podcast, um, tell everybody that um, I do have my own podcast, The UC Experience, which got some serious critique from Miss Williamson, which was very well landed. We've made yeah. some changes. So The UC yeah. Experience is on Spotify. Check that out. We do cover a lot of this same conversation weekly, and honestly, pretty candidly. So I encourage folks, check us out there. Very active on social media. Twitter, at Randolph Eastern on Twitter. Look up A.A. Ron Black. That's where you can find me there. Very active on Facebook, but our website's pretty up to date. We're we're working with this great company to help us do an audit of all these things. And they've given me a 90-day plan, which I'm 22 days behind on, but it's a great (laughs) plan. Uh, But no, there's great ways to find what we're doing. We have incredible people. That's the other thing I can't. I'd be remiss to say if I didn't have willing folks at the table with me, we would struggle to get this work done. But you can find us. We're out there.
0: Thank you, Aaron. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Can't wait to have you back. Thank Uh, you so much. (laughs) Yes. So, Aaron, I think you're going to provide some incredibly valuable advice for our listeners. And this was just a reminder, this is the third of our four-part series on real collaboratives. These shows are designed to highlight rural collaboratives in the CTE space that are developing great opportunities for students. And as you heard about today, these specialized pathways are an exciting development in traditional career and technical education.
1: In our next episode, we'll feature Jessica Morrison, who is the Executive Director for the Southwest Colorado Educational Collaborative. Jessica is elevating the concept of collaboratives in Colorado, and we're excited to hear about the progress of that project. We have learned so much about rural collaborators in these few episodes, but our next episode will be switching gears. And now I can't finish that statement because I put a blank on the script and I'm out. What are we doing after Jessica Morrison?
0: After Jessica Morrison, I'm so excited. We're going to have Dr. Kelly Galt, who is the superintendent at Lake Zurich in Lake Zurich Community Unit School District 95 in Illinois to talk about entrepreneurship and education. They have an incredibly robust entrepreneurship program, K-12, through and I can't wait to dig into that with her. Thank you so much, Erin, and we will see you all next time.
1: Thanks for joining us for the Build Momentum podcast today. If you enjoyed listening, we would love to hear your feedback and would be grateful if you would leave us a review.
0: This helps us to share these powerful stories with even more people. If you liked what you heard, we would be honored if you could share this episode with someone in your network. We look forward to seeing you next time on Build Momentum.